Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. Thank you. Well, Bethel Austin Bookstore to the rescue. Shameless plug, you can get these great t-shirts. <laughs> Praise the Lord for Stephanie. I was over there in the office and anyway, we couldn't, we couldn't get it to work. So she had to run over to the bookstore, grab me a t-shirt. So you know what? It's all good. It's all good. If the enemy thinks that's going to do it is all I can say. Okay, let's pray. <laughs> I feel like I need it. Lord. <sighs> Lord, we thank you for this morning. God, we even go as far as to say thank you for resistance. Because if there's no resistance, then we're not doing anything worth fighting against. So God... We count it all joy. <laughs> we count it all joy. We love you. We exalt you. You are worthy. Help us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Whew, amen. Okay. All right. Wow, it's good to see you guys. So many new faces. You look good. Oh. So good. All right. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I was playing with my son, Malachi. Uh, he's four years old. If you don't know him, he is the definition of boisterous. He uh, keeps me on my toes constantly. If he's out of sight and it's silent, that's a really bad sign. Really bad. He's either somewhere getting a concussion or somewhere destroying something. Um, they're pretty much the two options. He is wild to the core. So we were playing outside the other day, and we were playing ninja spies. Not to be confused with spy ninjas. Very different game. We were playing ninja spies, and, you know, we're doing what little four-year-old boys like to do, and we're playing good versus evil. Right? The good guy gets the bad guy. And I had this thought, and I believe the Lord spoke to me in that moment. He goes, every single person was born to fight injustice. There is no child that is born and on their own account says, I hope the bad guys win today. Every single one of us was born to fight injustice. And so the title of the message this morning is The Answer to Injustice. Do you know the Marvel movies, so Captain America and Iron Man and all those guys, their movies have grossed $7.1 billion. Billion dollars. There's a reason for that. People want to see good triumph over evil. There is something innate within us where we want to see goodness triumph. And so I want to talk about justice, and I want to talk about injustice. You know, I believe that a strength that is overemphasized becomes a weakness. 
An example of that could be like, you could be really organized and that could be your strength. But that strength over emphasize could become control. And I believe that one of the church's greatest strengths is justice, is to execute justice. But that strength overemphasized becomes judgment. And unfortunately, amongst non-believers, we are known more for our judgment than our execution of justice. It's why in the Bible, the Lord warns us against judging our brothers and sisters. In Matthew 7, judge not that you be not judged. For the measure in which you judge will be measured against you. And take the plank out of your eye before trying to remove the speck from your brother's eye. He constantly is saying, don't judge other people. Why? Because we are prone to judgment because we were born for justice. And our justice strength overemphasized becomes judgment. So he's saying, don't judge. Don't judge. Don't let that strength that I have given you become your weakness. See, I think in our day and age, the word justice, it gets thrown around so often. So often. And actually, this generation is one of the most involved generation in social justice issues. You know, we talk about it a lot, but I don't think we often stop to look at what biblical justice looks like. And shocking, I know, but it's very different from our justice. Justice is mentioned in the Bible over 328 times. So it's kind of a big deal. We see it all throughout the Old Testament. Justice in the Hebrew, Hebrew word is mishpat. Turn to your neighbor and say mishpat. Mishpat. Mishpat has two meanings. The first meaning is retributive justice. That's what you and I would know our court system to be, is retributive justice, an eye for an eye. We inflict oftentimes punishment on someone who does something wrong. That's just how the world handles justice. But oftentimes, that word, mishpat, throughout the Bible does not mean retributive justice. It means restorative justice. Restorative justice means extending your hand to the weak and the vulnerable, those who are being taken advantage of and helping them. It kind of sounds different than our typical thought pattern surrounding justice, right? See, it means more than just a social opinion or throwing money at something and calling it charity. Restorative justice means taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable and changing social structures to prevent injustice. I'm going to tell you a couple of stories this morning. And I have to warn you beforehand, some of them are a little graphic. But I think they're worth hearing. Why should we care about justice or injustice? Simply put, God cares. That's why we should care. God cares. I remember when I was a new believer, I used to read the message translation. Does anyone else love that translation? 
technically a paraphrase, not a translation, but I loved it. It made the Bible come alive to me. And I remember I was reading and I stumbled across Amos 5.24. And this is what God says. He says, do you know what I want? And immediately I was like, I want to know what you want. He says, do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want mercy, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. I want justice, oceans of it. And I want mercy, rivers of it. Psalm 89, 14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Righteousness and justice are the very foundations of God's throne. Deuteronomy 32, 4 says, He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. Retributive justice isn't in this. This is restorative justice. All his ways are justice. All his ways are extending his hand to the vulnerable. All his ways are trying to make it so that injustice cannot happen to his children. Because he's way more about restoration than he is about punishment. We are made in the image of a just God. That is why we are born with justice in our bones. That is why you play with any four-year-old boy and he wants to be Spider-Man or Superman or Captain America. He wants good to prevail over evil because he was born with justice in his bones. And so are you and so was I. But the world tends to be leading in the issues of social justice at the moment. And unfortunately, the church is just making comments on Facebook and not actually doing anything about it. See, we need to be more like Isaiah and say, Lord, here I am, send me. Where's the injustice? Let me have at it. All throughout the Bible, we have seen God execute justice. And you know the crazy thing to me, I would not do this if I was God, which is probably why it's a good thing I'm not. I would just do it myself, because can he do it without us? Of course he can. He can execute justice in the snap of a finger. But he chooses to partner with us to execute justice. He did it with Moses. He partnered with Moses to free the people of Israel under the bondage and injustice of Pharaoh. He did it again by partnering with Esther and Mordecai in seeing justice brought to Haman when he wanted to destroy the Jewish people. All throughout the Bible, he partners with people like you and me to deliver nations to set people free. But he needs our yes. He needs our yes. I think it's so wild how much authority God gives us. I'm like, are you sure? That's a lot of pressure. 
But he says that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then he has given you authority and he wants to partner with you to execute justice. Not judgment, justice. If God declared us right, the righteousness of God, which he did in 2 Corinthians 5.21, when we didn't deserve it, not one of us deserved him reaching down and picking us up. And he became sin for us. So then it should be in our bones that we want to do the same thing for other people. We should want to execute justice and partner with him to do that because he showed us mercy when we did not deserve it. It's not easy and it's not convenient, but it is courageous. And you have courage. You have courage. What should we do about the injustice that we see? Firstly, I think we just need to stop and recognize it. It's so easy to just shut out the things that we don't want to hear and the things that we don't want to see, the things that make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. It's so easy to say, oh, someone else will take care of that. You know, I tithe so the church can take care of that. It is so easy for us to choose whether or not we will step into fighting injustice. We do get the choice. I want to tell you a story. And this is of a man named Charles Mooley. Chances are you probably haven't heard of him. But he was the oldest of 10 children in a village of Muchakas County in Kenya. His father was violent, and in his upbringing, he abandoned his child. Charles Mooley was abandoned. He was left to his aunt, and the only way that he could survive was knocking on people's doors and begging for food. He actually, when he grew up, he made his way to Nairobi, which is the capital of Kenya, and he knocked on doors asking if he could work for people, and he ended up finding this wealthy businessman, and he worked his way up this businessman's business through favor. He met Jesus in that time, and it gave him this new resolve, if you will, gave him the energy to turn his life around. And he began to accumulate wealth. He eventually got into oil and gas and real estate. He became a very wealthy man in Kenya. He bought acres and acres of land. And he was on a business trip one day, and some street kids asked if he, they could watch his car for some money. And he said no, because that sounds dodgy, right? And so he went to his business meeting, and he came back, and there was no car. So he had to ride the bus home. And on the bus ride, the Lord began to speak to him. Not to chastise the people, the kids who had stolen his car, but to remind him of his beginnings. To remind him that he was one of those kids. It took three years of the Lord gnawing at his conscience for him to do something about it. But he heard the voice of God saying, become a father to the fatherless. So at 40, he left all of his companies, all of his wealth to rescue children. 
He and his wife had eight kids. Well done, Mrs. Morley. <laughs> but they took another three children in, 11 kids. They took another three kids in from the streets, and six years later, they were caring for 300 street kids. As of a couple of years ago, he had multiple campuses across the nation that educates, accommodates, and protects street children. He is reaching on a daily average 3,500 children, and 23,000 kids have been served from his ministry. I went to the street with one purpose, explains Morley, to rescue children. Every child needs food, love, education, accommodation, protection, and a good and bright future. Who will reach to them with the love of Christ? I was one of them, one who was lost, and I had to become part of the solution. Oftentimes, our comfort will keep us from reaching out. Because it's not easy to engage with injustice. It's not convenient. But it is what Jesus did. It is the heart of God. Fighting, inju fighting injustice, it requires action. James 1, be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. If we just hear the word and don't do anything about it, the Bible is saying that we're deceiving ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves by thinking that we're doing something good when we just hear and don't act. James 2.22, sorry, 2.20, faith without works is dead. We have a lot of believers wanting to be commentators and not enough players on the field getting their hands dirty. This generation... There was a survey that said they believe that they are more effective in changing social justice issues online than by actually doing anything about it in reality. 67%. 67% when asked how they fight injustice was like, well, Facebook, Instagram. But can I tell you, that is a facade. What happens if Facebook and Instagram dies one day? What happens if it all goes away? Who then is going to execute justice? We have to get our hands dirty. Oftentimes, our comfort and place in society has created a numbness to the injustice happening all around us because it requires something of us. I tell you, the longer I follow Jesus, the more I believe his words when he says faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. And I tell you, if I never preached a sermon on anything else but love, then I think I'm doing my job. Partaking in justice requires us to love at a greater level. It gives us an invitation to expand our compassion.
Okay, I want to tell you another story. This one, just seeing if there are kids around. I won't go into too much detail, but I want to go into enough detail that you know that this is real. There's a man named Ellis. He actually has lived on the streets of Austin for almost a decade, addicted to crack, causing trouble, been into prison. Actually, the judge got so sick of seeing him in his courtroom that he gave him two years in prison just to get him sober and to hope that it would be a fresh start for him. And it was, until when he got out, his mother died of cancer, and it took him down this spiral again. Just constantly using to numb his pain. Chances are that Ellis may have asked you for money. Chances are that you've driven past his tent home here in Austin. This isn't Africa, this is Austin. This is our neighborhood, our city. Chances are you've passed him on an underpass, overpass. Underpass? Overpass. <laughs> Chances are we have passed judgment on this man. Or at least men and women like him. And that is often where our experience leaves us. But I want to tell you about one day in Ellis's life. When he was seven years old, I have a son who's seven. Some of you have kids who are seven. So imagine your seven-year-old. When he was seven years old, he was at home and he was playing with a toaster oven and he was plugging it in and out of the socket and a fire started in the kitchen. And he ran and got water and he splashed it on the fire and, and the fire went out, but it left this big black smoke stain up the wall. And Ellis knew what this meant for him. So he ran up to his bedroom and he hid and he waited, peeling the skin off his cuticles until he bled, holding back tears until he heard his father pull into the gravel driveway that night. And he heard his dad come in the front door and he imagined to himself, He's probably in the kitchen now. He's probably opening the refrigerator and getting out a beer. And right about now, he's seeing the black stain on the wall. Ellis, where are you? And Ellis counted the stairs. One, two, three. All the way up to 14, and he heard his father open his bedroom door. His father was recently retired. He used to be a cook in the military, but he was home a lot now, and he would drink a lot. Ellis said he smelled him before he saw him. And his dad said, get over here. So he went to his father shaking. Did you make the mark in the kitchen? And Ellis replied, yes, sir. And Ellis watched as his father grabbed hold of his belt buckle and hooked it from its fastening and began to pull it through, loop by loop by loop, until his grip was on the middle of the belt. 
Sometimes his father would use the leather part of the belt, which would cause lashings on his back that would sting throughout the night. But sometimes his father would use the buckle end, causing welts that would last for weeks. And on this day, he wore his silver military buckle, heavy with a carved eagle in the middle and adorned frame that hurt all the more. And he went for the buckle side. I will skip the details, except to say that in the end, his back was burning and torn to pieces. Seven. Does this make you uncomfortable? It makes me uncomfortable. And this wasn't just once. This was his childhood. This boy was beaten over and over and over again by the one person who was meant to protect him. And so do we really blame him when he turns to drugs because all he wants to do is numb the pain? But there are men and women all over our city who have the same stories as Ellis. There's another man called Taz and his dad would get really angry and when he would get angry, he would turn the iron on and wait till it heated up. And if you ask him, he says, my childhood, how I remember my childhood is the smell of burning flesh. He has scars all over him. Will Langley, at the age of 10, his father would sell him to his friends every single night. Does this make you angry? This makes me angry. But we see the broken lives at the end of this injustice, and that's what we judge. Because stepping in to justice, stepping in to injustice requires something of us. It requires us to see someone as a human being. It requires us to imagine that that's our child that someone is talking about. It requires us to sit in the pain of other people and we don't like pain. So we just pretend that it's not happening all around us. We pretend that there aren't girls throughout our city being sold every single day into slavery. Because the luxury of our lives is that we don't have to engage if we don't want to. But can I tell you, I'm so sick of the world engaging and not the church. Because we have solutions. We were made in the image of a just God and a just God that doesn't punish someone. But someone bends down and picks someone up and restores them back to dignity. And not only restores that person back to dignity, but makes sure that social structures are changed so that it doesn't happen again. I wonder if we will look differently at the men and women on our streets. You know, 
I like to imagine the characters of the Bible because we don't often get a lot of people's backstory, do we? We don't often hear, you know, how some of the disciples grew up. But I imagine people like Rahab. And we all know it says in the word that she was a harlot. But what if she was sold into prostitution at a young age? Would we think differently of her? Because we kind of see her as a hero now, don't we? Would we have given her the time of day? I think about Judas. I'm like, what must have happened to that young boy that he would turn his back on the greatest love that he has ever known? Maybe he had a dad that was abusive. It's not in the Bible. Don't get angry at me. But I'm just saying, what if? What if Matthew the tax collector, what if his dad abandoned him and the only thing he knew how to do was steal so that he could help feed his brothers and sisters? We don't know any of their stories. But engaging with someone's story means that we have to get uncomfortable. We have to figure out what made them do the things that they're doing. We have to engage at a different level than just passing judgment. Can I please have a tissue? (laughs) One of the best ways to find out the injustice that you're called to fight is to figure out what you're passionate about. What gives you that holy discontentment? What makes you mad? Thank you. And we can start there. You know, Chris was here the other week and he was talking about vaccinations. Or, and he's like, he mentioned that he's vaccinated. But he's like, that's not a mountain that I'm going to die on. He's like, I'm neither here nor there. It's not a mountain I'm going to die on. But you know what? Some people are going to die on that mountain. Other people, you want to die on the mountain of reforming our school's education system so that we don't have such radical agendas brainwashing our children. But you know what? It's not enough just to get angry. Anyone can get angry. Let's join our PTAs. Let's petition our government. Let's sign petitions into being. Let's do something about it. Thank you. And if you don't know where to start, here is a good place. Proverbs 31.9 says, Open your mouth. Judge, judge, right, judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Jeremiah 22.3, Thus says the Lord, Execute judgment. Execute judgment. Mishpat, and that is the word as restorative judgment in this instance as well. And righteousness, and deliver the plundered out of the hand of the oppressor. Do no wrong and do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless, or the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this space, in this place.
We have to get involved, church. (laughs) Because the answer to injustice is you. It's you. And you're going to be wired to fight an injustice that I'm not wired to fight. And I'm going to be wired to fight what maybe you're not wired to fight. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ. You know, Joaquin and I have a heart for ending sex trafficking. But we also, we were praying and we're very clear on our mission and that is to help fund people who are doing that. Is that a mountain that we will die on? Yes. And then we ask God, well, what are we meant to do about that? And he says, give. So we give. And other times he tells us to step in to places and to get our hands dirty. I'm going to do a shameless plug here for Jason and Vanessa Everman. (laughs) Does it bother you when you see homeless people all throughout our city numbing themselves because of the incredible amount of pain that they have been through in their life? These guys right here, they go out onto the streets and they feed the homeless, but they don't stop there. They minister to them. They're not just filling their bellies. They're bringing Jesus. They're seeing people's lives transformed because they're willing to step in to the pain. They're willing to step into the pain. So if you have a heart for the homeless, that's a great place to start. You could volunteer with them, go out on the streets. We have so many incredible organizations throughout Austin. The Refuge is a great place that is rehabilitating girls who have been trafficked. That's a great place to volunteer, to give money. But many of you have ideas of ministries and businesses that you're actually meant to start and create that is going to be a vehicle for change. Many of you do. Sometimes we've just got to be willing to get uncomfortable enough to let it make its mark on us and so that we do something about it. It took Charles Morley three years of God gnawing at his conscience before he sold everything and started looking after the street kids. Don't let it take three years (laughs) because that's just a waste of your time. And can I even go as far as to say there are people on the other end of your serving, of your finances, of your volunteering, of your ideas, of your ministries that need you. They're waiting for you. We have to step into our place and begin to execute justice and not just pass judgment. I am so sick of the church being known as a judgmental group of people. Because if I tell you the truth, almost every single believer I know is not that. They are the kindest, most loving, most compassionate people that I've ever met. We just got to make the world see that. We got to stop using our strength to execute justice. 
and overemphasize it and cast judgment. We've got to step in. We have to be the solution. It is my hope that we as believers do not only recognize and talk about injustice, because it's important to talk about it, but that we partner with God in eradicating it. Because somewhere along the lines, from that four-year-old kid who wanted good to triumph over evil, we've gotten comfortable. Because it is only the mercy of God that you are not in the same position as many of these people. It is the mercy of God. It is not because we deserve it. Let's not fool ourselves and say that we are better people. It is the mercy of God that that is not your child being beaten half to death by the her, his dad. It is by the mercy of God that we have not been sold into trafficking. We are no better. And that is where restorative justice comes in. It puts us all on a level playing field. Retributive justice indicates that we are above people and we get to cast judgment because we're so much better, we're so much more righteous, we're so much more holy than they are. But when we step out of that and we step into restorative justice, that's where change happens. That's where change happens. That's where we realize, oh, I was one decision away from being another person on the streets of Austin. Because can I tell you, I look back on my life before I knew the Lord and I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, pretty much that movie Taken, that was like me and my friend without the being taken putt. We traveled through Europe when I was young. I was 19 years old. And we made the stupidest choices because we didn't know any better. We were 19-year-olds in a foreign country with no parents around us. And we made some pretty poor decisions. And I pray all the time, like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Because it is not because of me that I am not in the position of many of those girls. It is the mercy of God. God is so kind to us, isn't he? He's so kind to restore. And that really is his heart, to restore all things. But he needs partners. No, he doesn't need partners. He wants partners. He's waiting for it. And can I tell you, it's good to feel the pain of others. It is good to step into someone else's story. It reminds you that you're not numb to it. It reminds you that there's work to be done. And I tell you, I love laying on the floor in the presence just as much as the next person does. And it is vital and it is key, but just as vital and just as key is attaching action to our faith. 
and going out into the world and being Jesus to people all around us who are just dying to know this good God of ours, whether they know it or not. I believe that a church mobilized to execute justice is a force to be reckoned with. I believe that as a church, our best days are ahead. I believe the more that we engage with social injustice and the injustices happening around us, the more powerful, the more beautiful, the more radiant the bride of Christ will be. He has never asked us to get to heaven without getting our hands dirty. He never modeled that by the life that he lived. He was a friend. He was a friend to the prostitutes. He was a friend to the robbers. He was a friend to the murderers. But it takes a shift of our mindset of moving out of retributive justice. And am I saying that people shouldn't have consequences for their actions? No, I am not saying that at all. But I am saying that we need to restore people. We need to take a biblical approach to justice and see restoration and desire restoration more than punishment. I truly believe that we are the answer. When we partner with Jesus, the church is the answer to a dying world, a hopeless world, because we get to introduce them to their savior. We get to introduce them to the mercy of God that has changed every single one of us. It is a beautiful privilege what we get to do. We just got to do it and not talk about it. I'm all for, I'm all, I, I mean, I, sometimes I feel like I get up here and you're like, well, you're so anti-Facebook and all that. <laughs> I kind of am. No, <laughs> I'm not anti-social media. Social media can be used for good in so many areas in so many ways. And I'm not saying don't be silent on them. I'm like, let's just do something else besides talk about it. And I tell you, I think... The reason why Charles Morley was able to give away everything that he had to see justice restored to these street kids is because that is worth more than money. What that does to your soul, you can't buy that kind of love. You can't buy that kind of closeness with Jesus. We have a city who needs you. They need your creativity. They need your compassion. We gotta learn to love. We have to learn to love the people that look different from us, the disadvantaged, the downtrodden, the vulnerable. Because the mercy of God's the only thing that separates us. but his arm is not too short, amen? Nobody in this city or on this earth is too far gone for the redemptive power of Jesus. I believe 
that the church is going to begin to take its rightful spot as the head and not the tail in issues of injustice. Guys, playing the game, it's so much better than just watching, right? Thank you, Lord. Okay, I want to pray for us. And then I'm going to invite the ministry team to come up. And if you need prayer, then I would love for you to come up and receive prayer and ministry. But can we do this? Can we place our hands on our heart? And say, Jesus, expand my capacity to love. And let's put our hands over our eyes and say, Jesus, Open our eyes to injustice. And let us be so moved with compassion that we do something about it. And last thing, just tell the Lord, like Isaiah did, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. Because he will use you. If you're willing to be used, he will use you. I even, I even feel like prophesying over some of you that you have business ideas that you've been sitting on for a while. And they have an arm of in, um, social justice, a social justice component to the business. And I'm not sure who that is, but I believe the Lord says that you are to start that business and not be afraid that you will fail because lives are at stake on the other end. And sometimes we can get so caught up thinking, oh, it's just platform ministry. It's just church ministry. Hey, businesses all over this world are beginning to engage with injustice and see it eradicated. Teachers of schools, we can teach our kids to not turn a blind eye, but to engage. Social media has led us to believe that there's this world that is happening that doesn't require engagement. So let's make a pact this week, huh? Let's step out of our comfort zones and let's engage. Let's engage. Let's be there. Let's love well. Amen? We got this, church. We don't only got this, we were born for this. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.